What is up, everybody? We are excited to have our first go-to dentist podcast. I am John Cranham. Uh, I'm here with uh, David Rice and Pio Modi, who is our other co-host here, is unable to be with us. So we will uh, be hearing from him the next time. Uh, but anyway, David, how are you? Where are you? And how the heck are you doing? <laughs> John, it's good talking to you. I am doing well. I'm in uh, St. Pete, Florida, my home and, you know, bunkered down here working from home. Things are going, you know, as well as they can given our current situation, yeah. but we are, you know, generating a ton of content and preparation and to help as many dental pros as we can. How about yep. you? Absolutely. So yeah, we are uh, sort of similar. Uh, we closed our, our office, we're actually, you know, open for emergencies. Uh, my associate, uh, Dr. Kelsey Knuth, is sort of running that and keeping things going that, there. I am bunkered down at our lake house, which is about three and a half hours from where we live um, with my wife and three kids. So, you know, it's one of those silver lining things. I've got kids in college, uh, one in dental school, one in a master's program, and we don't get to be together for uh, uh, this length of time, and it's been great. I'll just let you know how everybody's getting along in a month. So that might be one of the, one of the other things when cabin fever hits hits in. Um, exactly. But anyway, so we've kicked around this uh, idea for some time, and and you know one of the things that I think is important uh, is to continue to develop and to work on maybe some projects that you haven't been able to work on. And one of the projects we've been talking about doing for a long time is a podcast. And so I want to throw it to you first, but, uh, it's interesting. We both sort of independently like the idea of the go-to dentist, the go-to dentist podcast. So from your perspective, what does it mean? Why did we come up with that, uh, with that name? And then I'll give you my opinion on it as well. Love it. You know, I think we, I think we all understand why we would like to become the go-to dentist in our community. Um, I, for me, the the name, what it stands for, really is the how-to, and and what I see us doing here, not only you know uniting people, uh, but bringing real information as opposed to what many platforms are doing today, and, and that's just giving affirmation. And you know, affirmation is nice. But information is what drives success, you know, data, numbers, uh, experience over um, a breadth of time and, you know, on a, on a national scale as opposed to maybe an isolated event. So for me, everyone understands that why, but how to is, is our mission. We want to show all of you how to become the go-to dentist wherever it is you are on principles that are, you know, are founded have some science behind them and are, are repeatable, whether you're in an urban, suburban, or a rural area of this country. Something that doesn't have an N of one. You want to have some, <laughs> you want to have a little bit of data. Well, I, I love it. And I, I love that. I mean, for me, um, having spent so much time with Dr. Dawson, uh, he always talked about, you know, being the go-to dentist in your community. And I think that's what drove him. We even had buttons one time uh, that said go-to dentist. And, and so for me, I agree with you. I, I want this cod podcast to be about a place to go 
that in a very short period of time, 30, 35 minutes, something like that, that you can gain a tip or a trick or something that's going to go back to your practice, whether it's clinical or business oriented, but it's going to have a positive impact on what you're doing. And um, there again, I, I don't get to do things like this in this format because usually we're doing longer seminars. So I think it's uh, it's it's important from that standpoint. I think I think PO uh, very much uh, is the same way. Uh, tell me a little bit about your practice, kind of who, where you practice, your kind of your focus in your practice, and then you know what you're involved with outside. I know, but I want the the audience sure. to know. Sure. So my practice is in uh, East Amherst, New York. So let's just call it Buffalo, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the very warm and sunny Buffalo. Um, we had, you know, our practice is focused on complete care. I'd, I'd say that is maybe the simplest descriptor of it. So we are a restorative practice. We're uh, there are four of us there. We each sort of chose a lane to get pretty darn good at. We. Um, we bring specialists in. We work with a lot of specialists in the area as well. But our goal is just, you know, complete care that um, that not only looks pretty on day one, but looks great at year 25. And, you know, when I'm not in the practice, uh, eight years ago, eight and a half years ago, started a community called Ignite DDS. So we focus on young dentists, on dental students all around the, the United States. And, and really that's that's designed to, you know, help grow up this next generation of dentistry to be, you know, better than 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 your and my generation. We've I think we've done a really good job, and I think we have the opportunity to give back and and help give them a head start so they really can be even better and and maybe dream a little bigger and a little, you know, beyond what we ever really dreamed. And that's uh, that's my life. You know, it's a, it's normally a lot of travel. Presently, it's it's a lot of uh, Zoom. And that's okay, but we're we're going to stay connected to uh, our community one way or another. And then, uh, John, obviously everybody knows who you are, but are you going to share a little bit too? Yeah, sure. So I awesome. am in uh, Praxis in Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, I joined the uh, academy as a student right after finishing dental school in 89 um, and went through all the Pete stuff and went down to Panky and then took a lot of aesthetic classes. And I think what got me teaching was in the 90s, um, I developed a class called the Cosmetic Occlusal Connection, which sort of blended Pete's occlusal principles with more adhesive-based uh, aesthetic information. Uh, started to do those courses and then created some hands-on courses. And then in 04, merged with the academy and became its clinical director in 2007. Um, and so, yeah, private practice in Chesapeake, uh, I started that practice um, again in 88, uh, joined a DSO environment in about five years ago now. And, and I think one of the things that I think is important in this podcast is we really want to give content to every practice environment. You know, people can be successful in solo practices and group practices and DSO type environments. And we want to make sure that you all have the best possible information clinically and business-wise to be able to succeed. It's probably going to vary a little bit from one to the other, but there are definitely principles that make Dennis successful, and that's what we're going to make this about. Um, I'll definitely let Pio do his own introduction next time, 
but I think what we should do is is get right to the purpose of this this first podcast, which is to talk about where we are right now. And it's really, really exciting uh, for me to uh, introduce our uh, our special guest. And I'm I'm excited to have Larry Gazzardo uh, on with us. I've known Larry now for probably close to maybe a little more than 20 years. He's been uh, very involved with our students at the Dawson Academy. I've used him myself as a consultant in my practice. And he's just always a sounding board uh, for me when I need some some good information with regards to business principles, uh, staff management, anything to do with the side of the practice that I don't really like to think about <laughs> when it goes away from clinical. Um, and so certainly we are in a very, very challenging time right now. But one of the things we have to get focused on is that this is going to go away. Um, we will get control of it. And then we are going to be left with the reality of, get, of, of getting moving again. And so I think one of the things that, uh, that can be very helpful to us is to be thinking about that and planning for that and the sooner that we can have some things in place, the sooner we can get back to normal. So again, uh, welcome, Larry. How are you doing? Yep, yep, really good. Um, Betsy and I are safe and sound here in Atlanta. Uh, we're all sheltering in place and uh, we're, we're doing fine uh, and, and we're gonna be okay. And I was glad to hear that you reassured everybody that we will get through this and, and I know that we will and, and we're gonna be fine uh, when all of this is over. I think, I think while it's going on, uh, we have to keep one thing in mind is that we are going to be going back to uh, work and that our patients are looking forward to seeing us again and everybody's looking forward to um, getting back to a normal life. So one of the things that I would definitely recommend um, while we're in this period of limited services, you know, when your, your practice is open, um, but services are just limited to uh, seeing emergencies. I think it's important to be clear with patients when they call that that's the message that they receive from you, that we're open, we're glad to hear from you, we're following the recommendations of the um, American Dental Association and our local you know, state dental associations and limiting our services to emergencies only. So we are answering the phone, your questions will be answered, and, and all emergencies will have treatment in our office. You know, something to that effect. So definitely, when they call, we're open. We're just limiting our, our, our services under the, the recommendations that we've been given. And so I think it's also important during this time that your calls get answered. Uh, we're lucky today that there's the technology where phones can be forwarded to somebody else. I think today it's very important when people are stressed and uncertain that they hear a voice. And so what I'm recommending to everybody is either somebody physically go to the office and, and be there for a set amount of hours. Um, I'm, I'm recommending if you can the whole day, you know, because there's always other things that have to happen. Um, or at the very least, make sure that the phone gets forwarded to uh, somebody who actually answers the phone, not lets them leave a message and then people have to wonder whether the call is gonna get returned or not. Just pick up the phone, hi, we're here. Um, people just need to talk today. And so let them tell their story. It's gonna make them feel better. Um, so number one, if, you, if they're leaving a message, 
we're open. Our services are just limited to um, seeing emergencies because uh, we're taking the recommendations of the guidelines that have been given to us by the uh, federal government. Um, somebody should definitely be answering these calls so that they can talk to a person in your office. And then the last thing would be to stay in touch with your patients. They're uncertain. They don't know if businesses are reopening or not. They don't even know if they're going back to work or not. And whether I'd like to admit it or not, um, I think this is going to go on for longer than any of us have originally anticipated. You know, a week ago, we might have thought this was going to last two or three weeks, but I'm, I, I'm not a naysayer, and you guys know I'm not, but I, I feel like this is going to go on longer than anybody thought it was going to. So it's gonna be important that we stay in touch with our patients. And we're lucky today because there's lots of ways to be able to do that. Um, I would recommend that you give them an update of maybe just once a week you know, while you're out, um, just letting them know that we're still here. Um, you might tell them a story about a patient that you treated. Um, you might tell them about you know, how much you're looking forward to seeing them when, when they get back, you know, that we miss our routines, but just, just stay in touch with them. And then, of course, if there's any new procedures that you're going to be doing uh, to make them feel safer and, and more protected when they come to the office, then, you know, you can mention that to them. I would hey, also Larry, add... Just, to just, just real quick. So basically, what I'm gleaning from this is... Um, I mean, one of the things that I kind of getting from you is maybe setting some really clear expectations uh, in terms of the services that you are providing, but also big time reassurance that you're not going anywhere. Because that, that's another, I, I hadn't really thought about that is that, that patients may be thinking about like, who's going to be left? Like, right? I mean, that there's going to be businesses that are closing. So I got, think so, because, you know, unfortunately, if people are at home, um, I'm glad they're watching this podcast, but I also know they're watching a lot of other things on the news. And if what's on your channel has been like what's on my channel, I've had to tell my wife, you just got to turn this off. I can't watch it. I no. can't, I can't yeah. take this bad news and I can't take the count of how many more people <laughs> are infected. Oh. And you know what I mean? It's just rolling on the side of the page. And I'm like, this is crazy. And um, so, yeah, staying in touch with them because it provides reassurance. There's too much news about how many businesses are going to close. So they're wondering if it's, if it's you or not. No, no. Okay. We're staying in contact with you. That, that's not going to happen. I'm also recommending that any patient who has an appointment. So if while you're limiting your services, um, if it affects an appointment that they've had, that they be personally contacted by somebody in the office. Um, not just send them a message or, or something like that, but personally call them. Remember, people are going to have questions. And one of those questions might be, I'm concerned about coming into your office. And you want to be able to answer that question for them that we understand your concern. That's why we take these precautions. We're taking these extra precautions that are being recommended, whatever it, it might be. But my point is, is that you want to have a person actually talking um, to your own patient. So anybody who has an appointment that's affected, you know, while you're limiting services, then uh, you want a person to do that. So those are the things that I'm, John, David, this is, these are the things that I'm asking people to do right now. You know, this is what you could do for your patients, you know, while we're uh, waiting word that we can reopen and resume our lives. When you get to the point where you, um, 
actually can actually resume full services and you can see patients again, I think your number one priority there is going to be your schedule. And, and, and the idea about the schedule is not, not that you fill it, because I do believe that there's going to be a backlog of patients, obviously, that have to be treated. And there's going to be some what we would consider like pent up demand, meaning people who need services and haven't been able to get it and weren't on your schedule before. And so when they find out that they can actually get back into the dental office, you know they're, they're going to be into your office and they're going to be calling. So your schedule is going to be important because we don't want to be too lopsided uh, in those first few weeks. We want to make sure that there's a good balance of work for everybody because there's a, a re-entry period for all of you, uh, staff, for the dentist, the hygienist, for, for patients. So keeping up with your pre-blocking, I think, is going to be important. And um, if I can piggyback on the webinar that you had yesterday, um, you know, remembering that we've got to continue to see new patients because uh, there's going to be people who have been putting off treatment and they're going to be looking for it now because they haven't been able to do that for some time. And so the best way to get back on your feet, the best way, the number one way to get back on your feet is to start examining your patients. And so we don't want to have you cut corners with your new patients by not examining them because you're in the rush just to see everybody that you can. So, so making sure that your schedule is pre-blocked properly, you know, I always recommend primary care, secondary care, time for new patients, and then uh, if necessary, emergency time, uh, as well as in the hygiene schedule, you may um, reserve time for your perio maintenance patients and your scaling and root planing patients, you know what I mean, so that they can get in uh, in a timely that's, manner. That's going to be so, one of the biggest challenges that we're talking about now is, you know, we're missing, going to probably miss a couple of months of hygiene. And now, of course, the people that haven't been, um, that their appointments haven't been moved. I mean, they're going to be coming in for there. So there's going to be a, like a tremendous amount of backlog of hygiene. And, you know, we're talking about maybe even bringing, hiring an, an extra hygienist for a period of time to try to catch that up. What do you think about that idea if you have the room? I, I think if you have the room, that's not a bad idea if you can handle the capacity. Yeah. Um, or we may find that you have to work maybe a couple of hours longer yeah. some nights or maybe just some extra the day that you have without patients. The, the issue that I'm talking about here is that if we create an imbalance for ourselves, right. if we go from a, an extended period of, oh, you know, I kind of got up at my leisure, you know, I didn't really have anything to do all day. And then all of a sudden you get back to work and we just throw you to the wolves. You know, I, I don't want people to burn out and I don't want people to get stressed out either. So yeah, they may be ending up having to um, add some extra days or whatever, just because you've got this, this bottleneck of, of people that you've got to get through the system um, and get them back on track, you know, with their schedule. So, that, so that's not a bad idea. So real quick, um, the, uh, and maybe David, you can chime in here too. The other, so are you thinking, I like the idea of the pre-blocking, but are you suggesting perhaps, because we don't really have usually many emergencies. I mean, the way our practice is, yeah. but there's going to be more. So do you think as we look at the pre-block, maybe expanding the emergency section? 
because I normally recommend if you've ever been out of the office for an extended period of time, and this certainly qualifies for that, that even if you don't pre-block for emergencies, you might do it right now, you know, and you might plan it just for like on that first day that you open or, or maybe even for the first week yeah. until you get a feel of what the flow is going to be like. Um, I would start off, you know, with maybe time for two or three emergencies, you know, every day. And of course, an emergency in my book is time for the patient to, you know, have a PA, um, be diagnosed by the doctor, and then they come back for an appointment. Yeah. You know, it's not Other like, like you're some be able sort to... of palliative treatment, unless it's smoothing something or something like that. Yeah. 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 We're going to need to have flexibility on everyone's part, including patients, but mostly from the staff that we have to have some flexibility um, just so that we could alter our schedule as needed. But my, my sense is when you come back, you might need a little bit more emergency time than what you would have normally um, have put in. Um, David, we haven't done a webinar or anything before. And, you know, once I, they let me out the gate, I, I just go, but I do play well. And so if you let me know if you have. I'll give you a high sign. Yeah, if you oh. do that, if you do that, I will take a breath and, and let you. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I guess what I'd add to what both you gentlemen were saying is on our team, what we're doing right now, a couple things. First is the same level of communication, Larry, that you're recommending we have with our patients on a regular basis. We're doing the same thing with our team. So some of those conversations are about what are we doing right now in preparation and a lot of those conversations are, what are we going to do when we come back? Are we going to expand our hours? Are we going to add a day? Um, you know, someone like myself, who's normally in the practice just two days a week, um, I'll be there more in the yeah, beginning yeah. so we can help accommodate people, um, both on the perio side as well as the emergencies. I love your emergency conversation. I think that's really important for us to schedule. And I don't know how you handle it in your practice, John, but I'll tell you guys want to talk about building a practice and now is a massive opportunity to build your practice. You know, the first thing we say in the phone when somebody says, I have a problem is when can you get here? Mm -hmm. Which I know right now seems like a massive bottleneck, but if we can master communication and let that patient know, hey, clearly we're just back from all of this super fun stuff we went through. So you may wait 15, 20 minutes, but we promise we're gonna get to you and we're gonna get to you as quickly as we can. I, I don't know, my experience is most patients are really happy that you're accommodating them. I'm not sure what well, you're No, no, no. I agree with that. And even in my own courses and that I teach at the academy, we talk about um, when somebody has an emergency, you know, asking that question, how quickly can you get here? Sure. Because it tells us how flexible you are. Right. Um, you know what I mean? In our communication, not to get into all of that, but in our communication with the patient, we're trying to establish what type of an emergency is this? Is this something that we know we need to interrupt the doctor's schedule so that they could be seen right away? Or is this something that we know we can put off later? Right. But in our communication, if we listen, if we engage with the patient and we just listen to them about, tell me what's going on, you know, when did this happen, what were you doing, so on and so forth, we'll realize, okay, this is, you have to be seen, but you probably don't need to be seen today. Right. Uh, but we do ask, you know, how quickly can you get here? Usually because a lot of the times when we're dealing with patients, it's not blood, it's not swelling, it's not acute pain. Um, the patient wants to come in, but they'll tell us, well, I've got to pick up Joey at soccer and Susie's going to ballet and I've got to thaw out the chicken and I could be there at 4.30, you know, but it tells us, okay, so it, it sounds like you've got a full day. Doctor has a full schedule as well. We wouldn't want you in the reception area 
were waiting five or six hours right. before we could get to you. But when I look on the schedule tomorrow, right at 9.30, I notice you could be seen right away. Um, we also know, not to go off on a tangent, people exaggerate their symptoms uh, when they call the front desk because they don't think they're going to be able to get in very soon. Right. And so when you just listen to them, it calms them down, makes them feel a little bit better. Uh, they're more relaxed. And then you say, gosh, I wouldn't want to have you sitting here waiting. But when I look at the schedule tomorrow, I notice that you could be seen promptly at 930. They're like, great. I had no idea you'd be able to get me in that quick. I'll, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. so, I think too, so yes, I think, just, I think too right now, one of the strategies that we've talked about is, um, the understanding that you, we really at this time probably don't want 20 people in the waiting room at the same time. So you know, staggering, you know, there's going to have to be social distancing in the waiting room probably for a while. And I think people yeah. understand. People um, are going to be afraid to be next to each other. For sure. Uh, now, the other thing you talked about uh, that I think is important is, you know, we have a lot of larger treatment plans that, you know, were put on hold and and things. And, you know, we've had some communication with patients on where their head is at. Um, I'm kind of been amazed that the vast majority of them are still wanting to proceed with treatment when this is all over. Um, but what do you suggest with that, Larry, in terms of maybe having that conversation, finding the patients? And we have to be empathetic, obviously, with where everybody's at. But we do. And I agree. I think I know where you're going because I, I, had, I had it in my notes that um, as part of your pre-blocking, you know, you've got some smaller things that need to be done. You've got some bigger things to be done but everything needs to be prioritized uh, because you have people who needed to get something done maybe a month or two ago, and now they're finally being able to get into your office to get it done. Maybe the priority has changed. And so when you look at all the people who've been affected by this, um, we wanna be able to prioritize our patients so that some of that more urgent things could get done first, and some of the things that aren't as urgent still could go a little bit farther out. Uh, again, with our communication with patients, we should be explaining, you know, we've just been through, you know, a big ordeal and we need your help uh, because we have a lot of patients that, that had to be rescheduled and require appointments. And I need your help to take one of the times that I have available. You know? So ask them for help. So if, if what you were saying, John, is, you know, should we kind of look and see, let's be smart about the way that we reappoint everybody. My answer is yes. Um, let's not just go to the first missed day that we had and let's see if we can't just carry that over directly. I think you've got to look at blocks of appointments. You know, look at all the patients whose appointments were affected. Who do we really need to get in first? And then who do we have to get in after that? And then so on and so forth. Yep. And so we, we've got to do it in an orderly fashion. But unfortunately, and nobody likes it when I bring these things up, um, we've just gone through a long period of no revenue coming into the practice. And so now we're their survivors and we've got to move on and we, we still have to pay rent and do these things. And even though the government is, is going to try to help us out, we know that that, that um, assistance is limited. It doesn't go on forever. And, and so we got to, and the reason why they're giving us that assistance is so that we can get back on our feet. And so we got to be smart about how we schedule so that we still, you know, keep our goals in mind and we generate the proper amount of revenue because once that assistance is on, gone, they expect that we will be on our feet 
because they're not coming back with you know another bag of money. Um, so you have to prioritize the people who have been affected by their appointments and bring them back in an orderly fashion. Otherwise, what we'll find is that, and you guys know what I'm going to say already, we're going to get really, really busy doing a whole bunch of stuff, and we're all going to be really tired, and we're not going to have anything to show for it, meaning we didn't achieve our, our revenue goals, our billing all got messed up, um, you know, we've got too much work going into the lab, or maybe not enough. Uh, and we're and we're just tired after we. Yeah, had I this think long rest. I think that that's why you know you're going back to your block scheduling and you know you think about your secondary care or the or the green time, if you will. Um, mm -hmm. I do think that there's a lot of green time appointments that were on the books for at least for us before, and we're going to look at kind of how many days a week we're going to do that, and then we're going to try to fill those leave some time for emergencies and then, you know, but I, but I do think there's, there definitely has to be some strategy here to do two things. One, make sure we're taking care of all the patients that need it, but also paying homage to the practice and, and making sure that we're making good business decisions at the same time. Yeah. We can't, we can't return to work and have it be like a Christmas rush. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we haven't taken good care of ourselves. So, so the, the scheduling part of it is going to be very, very important. The other part of it that is, is going to be the phone, uh, because people are going to be looking for services. So, uh, people who knew they couldn't really get a hold of a dentist right now, you, you, we're going to have a month, maybe six weeks, possibly longer of new patients who have been wanting to call a dentist, but just knew that they couldn't. But now all of a sudden they've got the opportunity to do it. So we don't wanna forget all of our good skills on qualifying patients over the telephone to determine you know, what kind of an exam they need and when they should come in and how quickly they should be there. We still want them to feel welcome. We want them to feel like they're gonna be well treated. And so um, remembering we don't wanna just cram people into the schedule because if we do that, then we're gonna get away from those comprehensive oral examinations that we're gonna to need to grow our practice. So don't be fooled because maybe those first few weeks, three weeks, you're like, wow, we've produced more than we've ever done. That's the backlog that just hit you. But once your backlog is over and you get back into the regular swing of things, you're going to have to depend on the actual exams that you've done. And During so I don't want you to miss, mm -hmm, yeah. I don't want yeah. you to miss that opportunity right from day one. Um, we got to get up and going, but we've got to be like a, a, a fine tuned machine. So it's the schedule. It's don't, don't forget about how to treat patients when they first call on the phone. That's going to be very important. Um, hopefully during this time that your services are limited, you've been able to keep up with your billing or if you've suspended billing because you felt that, um, you know, patients might not have the, the money to do it, whatever the opportunity is. Um, number one, if people, if, if a patient owes you money as a balance that you intend on collecting, even during this time, I would recommend that you send them a statement. Now, even if you're suspending payments, I would still send them a statement saying, we wanted you to know that you have this balance that's due. However, it doesn't have to be paid until whatever date. You don't want to wait eight weeks, possibly, to send them a statement. You know what I mean? Because they're going to do that old, well, wait a minute, had I known I owed you money or whatever kind of thing. So you don't want to forget about your billing. But if, if, if you've ignored it during this time, then you're going to have to pay attention to your billing when you get you know, right back to the office. 
Um, same thing for insurance claims that might have gone out. Um, during this time, if somebody's answering the phone, I think they could keep up with billing, they could post checks that come in the mail, and um, you can handle any insurance claims. Because as far as I know, you know, insurance claims are still being processed. And so if there's inquiries, you know, if a claim has been held up because of a perio chart or an x-ray or a narrative or something like that, let's, let's not pile these things up for eight weeks. Um, let's keep up with them when we go there. And then the, the last thing I would say is, and David kind of, of, of kind of alluded to it, is that while we're doing all of these things for patients, we, we can't forget about each other. And so it's very important that you get back to your morning huddles because that planning time is going to be very, very important. And just the, the, you know, keeping in touch with each other. Uh, don't forget about your, your department or staff meetings you know, so that you, you can make adjustments as you need to. And, and even during this time when your services are limited, um, you know, making sure that you communicate with each other about what's going on. It's like, we didn't forget you. You still have a job. You're just not working right now. It's an odd concept for, for a lot of people, but we need to stay in contact with each other because people's nerves are going to become frayed because unfortunately this is just going to last, you know, I think for a longer period of time than we originally have anticipated. But if, if you do those four things, yeah. I think if you do that while while you're limiting your services and you do these things that we just discussed when you open, then, then it, 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 you're not going to skip a step. You're just going to fall right back into your routine. I love that, Larry. I'll, I'll, I'll add to that. You know, I'm not sure how many practices are doing this now. It's working very well for us. We are weekly having a team meeting and we're doing it via a, a, you know, a platform like Zoom. So I would recommend to practices, if you can start doing that now, the visual of your team uh, is a very telling story, right? 55% of communication is body language. And mm -hmm. I will tell you, looking at our team of 15, I know who's doing well, and I know who needs a little extra um, love and care from all of us as leaders to follow up after that. It's, it will be the greatest thing you've ever done if you get with your team regularly right now and do exactly what Larry's sharing is, Show them the safety. Show them you are the practice that's coming back. Show them that you need them, you want them, and you're here, and you're just here to listen. Yep, and, and I think you brought up a very important point. And we're love. I'm loving all the technology that we have to be able to do this. I, I think of those old conference calls that you had on speakerphones, and they're nothing like this. But but the thing that I like about Zoom is that you can see how people actually are doing, not just hearing them. You can right. actually kind of look in their eyes, you know what I mean? You can kind of see their body language. Um, I had a Zoom meeting with my wife's staff yesterday and many, they're all working, they're doing telemedicine from a lot of different locations. So everybody was able to be involved in the meeting, but I could see them, they could see me, but they could all see each other. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a really important point because um, you could actually see how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is gonna be stressful for a lot of people. And so that, that's what I would recommend. It's, I don't want to make it more complicated than it needs to be. We're, we're certainly going through enough, but there's plenty of things that you can do uh, to reassure people that we're okay, that our office is open, just limiting our services right now as recommended, and we're preparing for uh, the return to regular services and, and can't wait to see you again. All right, that's great. Well, Larry, I know you've got another webinar here in about seven or eight minutes, so I don't want to take any more of your time. But um, being our first podcast, I 
really appreciate you coming on and, and being the voice of reason. Uh, we all sort of need it, but I, I, I do think that the, um, you know, there, there is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We don't know exactly where that is, but we don't want to keep our head in the sand. We got to stay positive and we got to do what we can do right now. And there is, as you say, plenty of us to do. So yeah. thank you so yeah. much. And you're uh, welcome. And God bless. Stay safe. Say hi to Betsy. And we'll I will. look forward to having you on again. Yeah, it's good seeing you again, John. And David, good seeing you as well. So you too, nice right? to Take be care. here. See you, buddy. You're welcome. So, David, any final thoughts from your perspective on that? That was really, really good information from Larry. Is there anything that you can sort of add that you're doing in your practice? You know, I would say... Uh, chance favors the prepared, right? We've said that for a, a hundred years in life and, and what we do right now with our teams, how we communicate, what we do right now with our patients. Uh, Larry alluded to what we do right now with, with billing, you know, accounts receivable on the insurance side. My gosh, this is the perfect time to follow up on all those claims if that's something your practice does. Um, the more we can do now in preparation for the reopening of our practices, the faster. We're not only going to recoup, but we're going to rebound. And, you know, by the end of 2020, we'll, we'll find ourselves exactly where we thought we'd be, or, you know, maybe even a little further ahead. Yeah. And, and my, my last piece, and I know we've had this conversation too, is if we're going to have a, um, a six or eight week hiatus, there is going to be things for our team to do. There isn't any question that <clears throat> we're going to be doing less clinical dentistry and I miss it. I mean, I already miss it tremendously. Um, but there's also a plethora of things that I've been wanting to do, like start a podcast, <laughs> that we're going to have some time to do. And so I think we can all stop. And maybe there's been, you know, an online course that you wanted to take or a book that you want to read. We have the opportunity to come back from this as more educated, more balanced, better clinicians um, if we utilize the time properly. And I think if we do that, um, we will, uh, you know, we'll, we will, we will look at this, like you say, six, eight months from, from now and, and kind of, it'll be in distant memory. So that's what we just have to have faith on. So with that, you guys, uh, thank you so much for tuning in at the first one. Uh, we are sorry that, uh, our other, our other partner, a PO couldn't be with us tonight, but he'll be with us on the next one. And uh, we're looking to do this, see, probably every other week. We might be a little more frequent in this time. But uh, just, just keep, keep pushing the uh, play button, and we'll give you good information. So thank you all, and until next time, be safe and keep your chin up. Take care.